Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. I didn't sound like a, a radio DJ today. I, I know. It I was weird. I didn't put on the, the, the voice. I was wondering if aliens abducted you, you. You called me out on it. So it's been a good week here. <laughs> it's February 22nd, 1997. The day Mark's soul dies. Wow. Because I can't be me. <laughs> My gotta be me. You know that song? Mm, no. No, oh, okay. Because I'm not a grandpa. What about? <laughs> what about born free? free kind of. Yeah, that's that's born free. The movie, you know, about the. I think it's a tiger, or maybe a lion. And how old is that movie, Grandpa? That's from the seventies. Mm-hmm. They raise, uh, they raise a, a cub, like a lion cub or tiger cub or something, and they call it some weird African name, and then eventually they return it to the wild, and it's all like, oh, it's sad because it's, it's we're le- losing our pet or whatever. I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> Okie dokie, artichokey, you weirdo. Uh, but it, it it came out of their house and and went into the wild, and it was because it was born free. You know who else was born a certain way and is coming out? I don't know if I want to know. Ellen DeGeneres. They're DeGeneres. Okay. DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. I don't like her. Um, and not for this, but uh, just in general. Uh, two words. Laura Dern. Familiar with Laura Dern? Nope. Familiar with Bruce Dern? Nope. Remember the movie The Burbs? Mm, no. Nope. Like crazy. What the fuck? You don't remember the movie The Burbs? I don't know that I've seen the movie The Burbs. With uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, the one where like his neighbor is like a serial killer or the something? Clopex, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the crazy white-haired guy, Mr. Rumsfeld? Yeah, he's like, I don't know, like that's Bruce Dern, that's her dad. Okay. Anyway, you've you've seen Laura Dern. Uh, Laura Dern TV Guide reports that lean and lanky blonde will be the female love interest who lures Ellen DeGeneres out of the closet on her ABC sitcom. Oh, cool! TV Guide added that a special one-hour episode targeted to run during the May sweeps has been written, but reported it's still no sure thing that it will ever run. The plot has DeGeneres' character finally revealing to her therapist that she is in love with a woman, Dern, with the shrink played by, of course, Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Lots of execs will still need to sign off on it all. Meanwhile, Ellen previously headed for a short stop in Hiatusville when Arsenio takes over the 9.30 Wednesday's time slot in a couple of weeks. will instead make a temporary move to 8.30 p.m., Tuesdays. Okay. What do you think? Uh, Ellen DeGeneres uh, apparently is a le- lesbian. I believe that's the, how they pronounce it. And Good for her. she wants to come out of the closet on her show. I think that's fine. What do you think? 
I think it's disgusting. <gasps> and I think that our children do not need to be exposed to this fucking, uh, you know, alternative lifestyle. What, what children, babe? I mean, in the general sense, the nation's children. Uh, not not that we have children. I had no idea that you were fucking. homophobic. Well, you said that you you took the most boring approach, and you were like, it's fine. And <laughs> I don't care. So I had to do something to make it an interesting conversation. I see. So you decided to uh, become a homophobe. Sure. <laughs> to fix it. Yeah, I became one. <laughs> That's how good of an actor I am. Right. Uh, no, I don't care that, about it either. I mean, really. But, like, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean... There have not been many openly gay characters on television, like ever. I mean, Billy Crystal on Soap, Mm -hmm. and that's about it. (laughs) I mean, I think it's cool. I I think it would be interesting to see that. I think it's funny that... To see Laura Dern and Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. I I think it's funny that uh, Oprah is the therapist. Yeah, that would be that'll be interesting. She's got to get in on this attention-seeking behavior there. Wow. Well, they're all celebrities, right? So they all have attention-seeking behaviors. That's true. They all are attention whores. They all are pick me, love me. Speaking of an attention whore, Pat Boone. Uh, <laughs> do you know who Pat Boone is? No. He's an old singer. I wish you'd stop asking me. Well, it's... Because it's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing, though. It's weird that I know who he is because he's he's an old, old singer. Pat Boone is paying a high price for his album of heavy metal hits. What? Boone said Trinity Broadcasting Network canceled his Gospel America show after thousands of viewers called in to complain about his dabbling in the heavy metal rock vein. There's more. A charity golf tournament in Tennessee that Boone has hosted for 20 years may also sever ties with him. Boone, 62, lamented that, I thought everybody saw it for what it was, sort of a parody, just a send-up. Of course, uh, it is difficult for uh, um, Christian people who have followed me for years, and it seemed like I had burst out in some demented way. What the fuck? I don't know. It's a weird quote. Pat Boone's like one of those old time, like think Dean Martin. Okay. Like that era, that kind of like Perry Como, like Andy Williams, you know. Kind well, yeah, of a, he's definitely not playing to his fans then. No, but I mean, he was just a, it was like, I'm going to defend Pat Boone here. It was just like a parody thing. Like who gives a shit? They shouldn't, but he knows who his audience is, and they're going to give a shit. Yeah. Thousands of people complained, and they canceled his show. Poor guy. Poor Pat Boone. Speaking of homophobes, Pat Boone. No, um, I have no idea, honestly, actually. Uh, And now, today's Wacko Jacko report. What in the actual fuck? Uh Uh-huh. MTV says, get this. They actually write, get this. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, uh, new pop Michael Jackson wants to sell photos of his kid. What? All this just days after making a plea for privacy, saying he doesn't, 
He doesn't want his glove child to grow up in a fishbowl the way Pop did. A lawyer for the Pop Wiz is said to be doing the shopping around, and tabloids are giddy with delight. The highest bid to publish a picture of Junior approaches $600,000, according to MTV. Meanwhile, the day before she gave birth, Jackson's wife, Debbie Rowe, tried to evade the media siege of Cedars-Sinai Medical Center by calling in a report to LA TV anchor Chuck Henry that the nativity had already happened. <laughs> he went on air with the report and was later laughed at by cops. That's not nice. A source confirmed it was Mrs. Jackson who did it in the hopes that the media would buy it. I think it's bizarre that he wants to sell photos of his child. Um, if he, Especially if he wants privacy. Like, is that why he wants privacy to create rarity so he can get more money for them? Like, Oof. What is happening? And is he really hurting? No, he's not hurting. I mean, isn't he fucking rich? Doesn't he have like a a circus in his backyard or something? I mean, like. Yeah, well, Neverland or something. Yeah. Why why does he want money for photos of his child? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I guess if, if we had, we don't have a child as previously established, but if we did have a child and for whatever reason, the media really wanted photos and we're rich. Would you like if they're if they're gonna try to get one anyway? Would we just be like, well, we'll just sell it? No. Yeah, like so. You think we'd try to keep it out as much as possible, even though eventually someone's gonna get a picture? Yeah, I think it's kind of like you know prostituting your child. Interesting. Prostituting. <laughs> yeah. Like. Well, speaking of prostitutes, um, let's face it. It's uh, a Leanne Rhymes world. <laughs> What? The 14-year-old singer's album of previously released material debuted at number one on the charts. In addition to Unchained Melody, the early years, Rhymes also uh, claimed the number 10 spot with first album Blue. And for those who demand to know who's the uh, Avis of this race, it's R&B star Erica Badu with Bad Zoom. Isn't Leanne Rhymes like she's young, right? That's what they say. Yeah, like fourteen. I just said that. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but do you think, even though she's fourteen, that she's like hot? That's the question. Oh. Uh, <laughs> are you trying to fucking get me arrested? <laughs> like, what is going on here? This feels like entrapment. <laughs> Um, no, and I don't particularly find her attractive. Okay. Why? Because I heard some dudes talking about how hot she was, and I was like, is that normal, or are they weird? Who did you hear talking about that? Some dudes at the coffee house. Some dudes. Some dudes at Caribou Coffee. (laughs) Do you think she's hot? She's fine. She's cute. (laughs) Not hot. She's fine. No, that's gross. Yeah, she's, I think, she, yeah, she's 14, 14 or 15. I guess, I don't know. Yeah, well, they said 14, so she's 14. I like her music. Yeah, it's fun. That's that's the thing is, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know much about her, really. Yeah. It's not really my scene. Mm-hmm. You like her music, but uh, it's not really my thing. That's fine. 
Speaking Just of, like your grandpa music isn't really my thing. Speaking of things that uh, aren't my scene or aren't my thing, we watched a movie this week here. Oh my God, it was the worst movie I've ever seen and I'm so mad at you for like suggesting that we watch this piece of garbage. And I'm serious, this is the worst movie. Like There is not a single movie I've ever seen that I hated more than this. Mm. I literally felt trapped in the theater. And it was like time was moving backwards instead of forwards. Every time I checked my watch, it was like earlier somehow. Yeah, I felt like uh, punishing Carol this week. So we watched a David Lynch movie. It was so awful. Don't do it to yourselves, people. For those of you unfamiliar, uh, so this is, David Lynch has a few different modes, I guess. He did Dune. Uh, He did um, Wild at Heart, which is kind of like, so that's, it's sort of like um, Natural Born Killers, kind of. I think you'd actually like Wild at Heart. I'm not watching another one of his movies ever. But this is more in the eraser head vein of like weird and I don't know what's going on. It made no sense. None. No sense at all. And a lot of the movie people weren't even talking. Like there was very little story. There was a lot of like attempts at being artist, artist, art, artistful. <laughs> Artistic? There you go. Wow. But, um, yeah, it was not good. So, I wonder how many many hardcore cinephiles we have that listen to our show here. I don't know if... Scott. I don't know if... (laughs) Need your help. I don't know if, if anyone... That listens. Like, I don't know if that's our demographic. I don't know if the people that listen to our show are really into the artistry of cinema and stuff like that. But I will say, I feel like maybe we're not smart enough for this movie. It's possible, I it's guess. It's one of those where I think, like... Now, that doesn't mean it's good. Because I think that you can have a movie that is rich with symbolism and artistic merit that also has a narrative like this is this feels a lot to me like a lot of scenes cobbled together Mm -hmm. like not a cohesive narrative no it wasn't cohesive at all I literally finished watching the movie and don't know. I could not tell you what this movie was about. We spent two hours. <laughs> and the only thing I'm sure of in the whole movie is that this lady cheated on her husband and he killed her. That's it. The whole rest of the movie, I have no idea what was real, what was fake, who was who, what their relationships were. Nothing. I think that's the only thing that really happens. To be honest with you, I think that's the only thing that really happens in the movie. I think everything else is fake. So I will say this. I've thought a lot about this movie since we watched it. Really? All I've tried to do is forget it. I don't think I liked it. You you had to think about that? Well, here's the thing. It's okay. David Lynch is a great filmmaker as far as. You know, I like I, I don't know if he, I don't know if I would call him a great writer. He wrote this with uh, somebody else, but 
He's a great filmmaker. That I think that's undeniable. He's weird, and he's got a he does a lot of weird, demented things. I'm sure all of you are f- familiar. You remember the the TV show Twin Peaks? He created Twin Peaks, and yeah, it's he's he's out there with weirdness. However, so uh, the thing is, is like I can see some of the merit of like some of the symbolism and, and things like that, but. I don't know. What I'm saying is I don't really think I... It, a lot of this was boring. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it's just me being a baby or me being a, you know, um, a Philistine or, or whatever, a Neanderthal. Not no Why are you insulting yourself because you didn't like this piece of shit? I'm just saying, I don't know what the... Maybe this works on a, a level higher than I'm used to thinking. I don't think so. I really don't. Like, I'm sure he had some kind of point he was trying to make, and we didn't get it, but I don't think that's our failing. I think that's his failing. I saw an interview with him where he... he now, he famously does not like to talk about his movies or... or I wouldn't either. Or what, <laughs> or what the meanings are behind his movies or anything like that. Uh, when they, like... I don't know. He he said, he said he said I he always says like I, you know I I don't tell people what my movies mean because I forget or whatever. I don't know. He's a weird guy, but I did hear I did hear him say something about that this was partially inspired by O.J. Simpson. Okay. That in his opinion, O.J. Simpson committed double homicide, and he's just out he's just out and about and he wonders how he reconciles the knowledge of what he did with an ordinary life and i can see that as inspiration a little bit here because this is a man bill pullman you know so for those of you don't know we watched lost oh yeah we never even said what the movie was sorry guys (laughs) we watched we watched the the film lost highway david lynch film and it stars Bill Pullman, Patricia Arquette, who has a nicer body than I, I initially realized. And uh, speaking of Natural Born Killers, uh, the one kid from Natural Born Killers, uh, when the, remember when Juliette Lewis goes to the to the gas station and she seduces that mm-hmm. young dude? That's the the dude. That's the mechanic in this movie. Okay, I, I can't remember Balthazar or something or whatever. It's a weird fucking name. Uh, but anyway, and uh, Robert Blake in a fucking creepy ass role. Yeah. So we can't really discuss this the way we usually discuss movies. I don't think like we can't go like plot point by plot point because there are not. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest problem. There are two stories in this movie. First story is Bill Pullman, Fred. I think his name is or something like yeah. that. Who's a saxophone player who can't uh, sexually satisfy his wife, and his wife, by played by Patricia Arquette with a you know brown haired wig or whatever, is cheating on him. He kills her, like you said. They get they get videotapes uh, each day. Yeah, and the videotape keeps getting closer and closer to them. Which was interesting. That was the only interesting thing, and it, and was it went creepy. Nowhere. It was creepy, and the so giving the movie credit, 
the soundtrack, there's like a almost a steady drone on the the soundtrack in a lot of these scenes that really make it it's, it's very creepy feeling. It's very atmospheric when they, when these tapes show up and everything. And then he ends up killing her because she's cheating on him. The other narrative is, I can't remember the dude's name, but young kid who is Bill Pullman, I'm pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure they're, they're the same person. I think, I think maybe he's like Bill Pullman's like fantasy or. That's what I think too. But his story of meeting this girl, Alice, also played by Patricia Arquette, but she's blonde now, and having an affair with her, uh, even though she belongs to crime boss Robert Loja, and running afoul of him. And then they kind of merge again. At the very end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So... In both narratives, Robert Blake's there. And he says almost the same thing to both of them. Oh, I met you before at your house, you know, and everything mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And he's just a mystery man. That's that's all he is. He's not named. We don't know who he is. We don't know pretty much anything about him. He's a fucking freaky-looking freak. What's weird about him with the whole I met you before at your house is, I mean, you get the impression he's evil. And probably the I met you before at your house thing is is has to do with him killing his wife. But when we first see the dude, he's at a party that Bill Pullman is at with his wife. So that couldn't be, unless he was the guy sending the tapes. Well, I think he's got, I, I, I think that, I think for sure he's the one making the tapes because he's... You know, at the end, he's got that video camera. Oh, and yeah, he's yeah, filming yeah, yeah. him. It's the same kind of cinematography, same sort of grain and, and all that That's stuff true. and everything. Um, so I think if you want to get into him, that character, I think his character is pretty integral to the movie, obviously, to, to understanding it. I, I can see a lot of people saying, like, he's he's a representation of evil or, like, the devil or something like that. But I don't. I don't think so. I think he's... I think he's representative of the truth. That's what I think. There's a line. It's a weird line. There's a lot of weird dialogue in this movie. There's a line that's, that's weird that Bill Pullman says where he's talking to these detectives. They get these these tapes and they see you know they're being taped where it's, they're laying in bed. And so they call the police. And the police come and they, they do the investigation or whatever. And Bill, they, they confirm that Bill Pullman doesn't have any video cameras. He doesn't like video cameras. Because he's, as he says, I don't like to, I like to remember things the way I remember them. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the way they actually happened, but how I remember them. So we get this, this idea that a camera captures reality, captures the truth. Now, I mean, I don't know if that's actually really true, but in the language of the movie, the video camera captures truth. Okay. And objective what really happened. And Bill Pullman likes to think of or remember things 
the way he likes to remember them. Meaning, and most of this movie is from his point of view, so, you know, it's hard to rely on exactly everything we're seeing. Except for the camera. And I think all the stuff on the camera, I think, is the truth, is reality. Okay. And I think he represents the truth. At one point, Bill Pullman wakes up and he sees, almost comically, but also scary, uh, the Robert Blake's face superimposed over her face. Mm-hmm. And I think that's him awakening to the truth of what's going on. Oh, okay. He wants to hide... He, he wants to believe that she's being faithful. He doesn't want to believe. That's that's not the reality that he wants to see. But he wakes up and he sees the reality on her face, that she's not being faithful to him. And that's when he decides to, that he's going to kill her. So you think that he made a decision? Because it seemed like it was probably pretty damn impulsive, but... I do. I do think he made a decision. I think he, like, there were many scenes. There were scenes when they, they were having sex where it was, like, creepy and slow-mo, and I thought he was going to kill her. I kept expecting him to kill her. Hmm. Like, I, and that's weird. So, like, the, the movie must have obviously been subtly hinting at that the entire time. It, you know, like, because I had that thought in my head, like, I really thought he was going to kill her. So... The framing, the the music, you know, the mood that's being set, I think, was effective because of that. Because I foreshadowed what was going to happen. And, um, you know, so like I said, I think he, he that's when he sees the thing and he makes the decision to kill her. And they meet, they meet, you know, he meets him at that party and he's like, oh, you know, I'm already there in your house, you know, and all this stuff and everything. Um, and we see through the camera... That's the only way we see it, too. We see through the camera that she's dead, mutilated, mm-hmm. cut up, and all that stuff. You know, horrific. And he gets charged with with um, murder, uh, sentenced, and sentenced to the electric chair, right? Mm-hmm. And he says when he's like, he's like, tell me I didn't kill her. Like, say, say I didn't kill her. Like, you know, and he gets punched in the face by that, that detective and everything. So it's like he doesn't want to believe it. He wants to believe he didn't do it or that somebody else did it or that something else is going on, right? Mm-hmm. But the camera showed us exactly the truth, the truth that he doesn't want to admit. So that's what I think that's representative of to me. And at the end, you know, he, he turns back into Bill Pullman from the kid and Robert Blake's there again. And he says, he says, uh, where's... Um, can't remember her name, but the blonde version of Patricia Arquette, because they, they're two different names. It's mm-hmm. Renee, who's married to Fred, and then I think, oh, I can't remember, but it's some other name. Right. And he's like, where is she? And Robert Blake gets pissed, and he goes, her name is Renee, because mm-hmm. that's the truth. And he's like, if she told you something else, that was a lie. And then he said, and you, what the fuck is your name? And then he holds the camera up to him. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's, like, confronting him, saying, like, you've been pretending to be this other guy. But, you know, confront who you really are. So I think the first half of the movie, you know, that's it's pretty, pretty standard story. She's cheating probably with um, fucking 
Robert Loja. And then she and then and then he kills her and um gets sentenced to the electric chair. Then while he's in the jail, he because his mind's broken over this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he has that fantasy that he's the... I, I feel like I'm the movie now because you look like you're falling asleep. I'm to. not falling asleep. I'm interested because, like, I didn't come to any of these conclusions. I didn't put any of this together. I was literally just bored and confused. So mm-hmm. now you're explaining it and it's making a little bit of sense. So. so I think then that's the fantasy life. And in this fantasy life, he's the victim. Mm-hmm. Instead of being, because you know he's a dumb kid being strung along by this by this woman who's you know get, keeps getting him deeper and deeper into this thing, like you know Patricia Arquette's the perpetrator and the victim, and he like I mean the perpetrator and everything, and he's the victim, and he's just like oh shucks going along with it, you know, and um she says oh let's rob this guy, and it's like all her idea and everything, and then when the guy gets killed. She's like, oh, you did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, that's how he, like, it's all framed. That she's a slut. You know, she's doing porn. She's being videotaped. And she's perpetrating all this on him, and he's the victim. And um, so I think that's kind of, like, the themes of that. And in his fantasy here, he's um, he's all... Um, you know, like great at sex and everything. He has that sex scene with um, with his girlfriend or whatever that's not Patricia Arquette, mm-hmm. and he's like pleasing her and everything. And and Patricia Arquette can't get enough of him and, and all this stuff. Whereas in reality, you know, there's that scene where they're having sex and he comes too fast, I guess. You know, because she doesn't reach orgasm. And then, as if that's not enough, she pats him on the back and she's like. It's okay. And she consoles him like he's a fucking little kid. Is that what happened? I thought he lost his erection. Cause, Maybe. Because, I mean, I would have, because that was the most boring sex I've ever seen in my life. It was like, like, it was not even, like, arousing at all to watch. It was just boring, like, everything else in the movie. It was like sex is transcendental meditation. Right. You know what I mean? It was, it was weird. But... Yeah, I think um, I think he yeah maybe he lost his erection or whatever. But then she consoles him like that, and it's like, oh, that's even more like demasculizing, demasculating. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so emasculating. Yeah. So he's he's all great at sex in this fantasy world, right? And then he comes out of it when Robert Blake confronts him, and he gets in the car and he drives off down that highway, right? Finds Robert Loja, kills him. That's his fantasy. He wishes he could also kill her lover, mm-hmm. but he didn't, whoever that was. And uh, so he kills him, and then he keeps driving. And then there's that weird end thing where he's driving, and then he starts, like, convulsing and shit, you know, mm-hmm. and everything. And I noticed a little steam is coming off of him. I think that's, in reality, when he's dying in the electric chair. He gets hmm. sentenced to the electric chair, and I think he's convulsing like he's in an electric chair, and that's why there's a little, like, steam. So I think that's what's happening in reality when he's driving down that road. Okay. Huh. So that's basically, that's basically, I think, what the structure of the movie is. That's kind of what I get from it. Now, there's tons of stuff that I don't understand, and 
and, and everything like the the um well I mean there's like there's so when she calls the police when Patricia Arquette calls the police and I think they're the same person too blonde and mm-hmm. you know I think that's the same person and they they frame it where like it's super close on her lips and then when she's talking to the kid that she's seducing and everything also shadow super close on her lips frame the same way when they're talking on the phone i think to indicate this is the same person okay uh, that's what i think but yeah it's there's so there's lots of symbolism lots of things in the movie that i don't understand but that's basically what i got out of it um and that's why i said like i don't you know it's hard like it's hard for me to just be like i didn't like it but here's the thing i think it's more interesting to think about and talk about after than it is to watch this. It was fucking torture to this watch is that like, movie. This is like how you have to read a really dry, boring textbook to get the information to have the interesting discussion with your friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of what it. What, you know, you know those times where you'll like you'll sit up with your friends yeah. for like uh, hours. You know, just talking about life and philosophy and your thoughts on things. It's like the dry ass book you had to read to get the information to to be able yeah. to talk about that conversation like that's what this movie felt like because while i was watching it i hated it and there was so like i absolutely as much as you did absolutely hated it it was so boring it was so dumb i mean i was like oh my god when when robert Loja fucking freaks out because some guy is tail is uh tailgating him or is that what they could no, not tailgating? Um, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Riding on his ass. That's tailgating. Okay, yeah. When some guy's tailgating him, he uh, he fucking lets him pass, and then like fucking destroys his car with his ridiculously overpowered car, and then just chews the shit out of scenery <laughs> while he's like, "Yeah, my fucking accidents are a hundred thousand. He's just got statistics off the top of his fucking head for how many people get into vehicular accidents and die every year. He's like, oh, fuck, I never... people like you, do you know how many car links it takes to stop at 35 miles an hour? And he's just like, just fucking giving this guy a diatribe, screaming it. It's hilarious. Um, just like I said, just chewing the shit out of scenery. Um, and that that is funny, but when that's happening, even though it's weird... And all the parts of that that movie are weird, or that part of the movie are weird. I'm like, at least something's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's the first part is so boring because there is so nothing happening. Yeah, except for the boring sex scene and Bill Pullman playing the saxophone poorly. Yeah, and then there's and then there's. Uh, the very beginning of the movie where someone says uh, Dick Durant or whatever is dead. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, Bill Pullman's the one saying it to himself. And I think maybe he's in purgatory or maybe he's in hell. Uh, like, you know, just reliving this over and over again. Um. I don't know. That's one of those things where I don't, it seems like it's a loop, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get why. Uh, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. That makes sense. I mean, apparently, this is another thing I saw in an interview with David Lynch. The same interview. Apparently, though, this, the reason this is in the movie is this is something that happened to him. What? He was 
he was in his house and he heard the intercom buzz for his his what system or whatever. And he went up. He was like, "Hello," and he and someone goes, "David," and he's like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Dick Durant is dead," and then nothing else. And then he he looked looked out. He said he looked out his window and everything. Nobody there. Never knew who said whatever. Does he know who Dick Durant is? No. Weird. So like this fucking just weird thing just happened to him, and like that seems like. You know, there was an interesting idea that Tim he put that in the movie. Hmm. So I, the thing is, is and that's the other thing. The thing that sucks is I like a lot of the ideas. The idea of Bill Pullman giving this message to himself at the beginning of the movie, so that the movie is a loop, I think is an interesting idea for a movie. Um, some of the symbolism and stuff like that, I think, are interesting ideas to put into movies, or to put in this movie. But, but I don't. The ed- execution on a technical side of things is great. The cinematography is gorgeous. It's 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 a very well shot movie. I think the soundtrack is great. The acting's good. All the technical aspects of it are there, but I just think from a narrative drive, it, I don't like it. And I don't like the continuous fade to black either. That happens a lot and where there's like a scene that lasts like four seconds and then it fades to black. And I know that's like a technique and Lynch has used it before and other directors have used it too. And I just, maybe this is just a personal thing. I don't like it. I don't like the short scene fade to black. Another scene a little bit longer fade. It's like you're setting it up as if it's a... A, a book you know what I mean mm-hmm. where you're you're varying the chapter links and stuff like that I don't I'd have never liked it as a uh, a device in movies well I don't like it seemed overused I mean like once in a while is fine but I think they did it too much and in these scenes that were so slow then going through a fade mm-hmm. on top of the slowness of everything else happening was really annoying yeah there was too there was it was too slow when he and that's a, oh that's the other thing too, um, that why I think that Robert Blake is uh, represents truth because he's at this party and he's like he finally he gets the she's she says something about how um oh you know what she's like when where did you meet this guy and she was like oh you know I I went to some parties with him or something because we find out like later he pays women to party and he shoots all these amateur pornos and stuff like that and everything. And it's like, so that's when he's first kind of clued into like, oh, you know, like she's been in some sketchy shit in her past that I didn't know about. Mm. Right. And like, so that's when truth shows up, you know, and everything. Okay. And so that, yeah, that's, that's another reason why I thought that. But, um, but yeah, so like, I don't know, like I, the, I wish that the, the first, I liked the second half much better than I liked the first half. The second half is very noir, you know, yeah. and I and I like that. But the first half is so boring; it like sucks your soul out. <laughs> and it's like it makes it makes you not want to enjoy or not be able to enjoy the second half of the movie. And I, I, I think it's deliberate. Like I said, Lynch is not a bad filmmaker. This isn't this isn't someone that like made mistakes. That was like didn't know what they were doing. These are all deliberate choices. I just don't know if they make an interesting movie yeah. or an enjoyable movie. Well, not for me, for sure. 
But yeah, I I would if you're a hardcore cinephile or a really big fan of David Lynch and his work, go see it. If you're not, if you're a normal person, if you liked Fools Rush In, which we talked about <laughs> last week, or even Dante's Peak, right. more traditional structured movies, then I would probably not recommend it. Now, here's the thing: I do think that movies like this are—I don't know if I want to say important. I think that's maybe too too big of a word for it. But I like that there are directors like David Lynch that want to that want to take chances, that want to be bold and and do different things with the medium instead of just like straight narrative every time. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. You can do that like Tarantino did. Yeah. And make a really interesting movie that's all that's filled full of symbolism, but is also entertaining. And this I think lacks the entertaining side of it. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know I kind of dominated this conversation. Do you, do you have anything you want to uh, add before we go? Other I mean, there was it? a lot of sex in this movie. Yeah, and that still didn't help. No. So I mean, not all of the sex is boring, but it just like it wasn't worth it to see the the good sex. There's another thing at the end too where I don't I don't know that I fully understand it. The kid, Balthazar or whatever, he's having, they're, they're having sex in the mm-hmm. desert for some reason, <laughs> bathed in this white light, right. right? And he's like, um, I want you, I want you, or whatever, the whole time they're having sex. And then, it's at like the climax, she leans in and whispers to, it, to him in his ear, you'll never have me. And then she gets up and walks away and disappears. Yeah. And that's when he says, where is she, you know, to Robert Blake. Um... I don't, that's one of those things where it's like, I don't understand. He'll never have her because. Because he killed her. (laughs) And maybe that's the thing is like, he wanted to possess her. Maybe that's part of the the reason why she she cheated. Because he didn't really love her. He just wanted to own her. Maybe. The way that like Robert Loja owns her or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he killed her in a way. No one can have her now. Like he can't have her, but no one can have her. I don't know. And that's like maybe that 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 was speculated that, that was a motivation for OJ Simpson killing her is that so no one else could have her either, you know, and kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I mean it's you know, it makes sense if that's the case. I don't know, but that's another one of those things where I'm not we could talk for a long time about the possible symbolism of this movie. And I am glad I saw it. Because I do enjoy thinking about it and talking about it, but it did seem like work to watch it. Well, I'm glad you are glad that you watched it. I am not. Well, next week I'm sure we'll watch something a little bit more traditional. We better watch something more enjoyable. It's not worth going to the theater to see crap. (laughs) Well, anyway, that is our show for the week. Carol, why don't you uh, tell these people where they can go? Uh, write us at latefee1994 at awl.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com mm-hmm. and share the tapes with your friends. All right, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.